8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, December 1st. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. You might not see a lot of homeless people in the North Country, but that doesn't mean they're not here. Coming up, a visit to one of the few homeless shelters in our region. It's in Saranac Lake, and it's called Samaritan House. Since opening in 2017, it's helped hundreds of people break the cycle of homelessness. And we were hearing from the ministers and pastors and priests in town that they were getting a lot of people knocking on the door asking for help because they didn't have a place to sleep for the night. I'm glad it's here. Else I'd be living in a tent right now. My tent's still set up in the woods, so I haven't taken it down yet. The North Country's COVID-19 rate continues to rise. The positive test rate is almost five times the rate in New York City. County officials in our region are warning of another holiday surge that could be worse than last year. Also, the state education commissioner has ordered the Cambridge School District in Washington County to retire its Indians mascot and logo for good. And if you know someone who loves food and cooking, Chef Curtis has a few cookbook suggestions for holiday gift giving. All of that's coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us. Broadcast of Northern Light is supported by Amy L. Smith, attorney at law in Lake Placid, advising Adirondack land and camp owners as they plan for the next generation of stewardship. 518-523-4580. And St. Joseph's new open access center on Old Lake Colby Road in Saranac Lake, providing answers for you or a loved one and helping to start the path to recovery. Treatment.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandreski. And I'm Todd Moe. A school district in Washington County will have to drop its Indians mascot and logo by next summer. In issuing her final decision Monday, the state education commissioner also said such mascots may violate state law, but she stopped short of a ban. David Summerstein reports. Last summer, the school board of the Cambridge School District near Saratoga Springs voted to retire its Indians mascot name and logo. But then a few weeks later, a newly elected school board reversed course and reinstated the mascot. Then a group of residents petitioned the state education department to intervene. On Monday, State Education Commissioner Betty Rosa issued a stern final ruling on the matter. She wrote that the use of the mascot and logo, quote, inhibits the creation of a safe and supportive environment for all students. She said Cambridge has to fully eliminate the Indians mascot by July 1st of next year. But Rosa went a step further and considered the use of native-themed mascots more generally. According to one database, more than 120 schools in New York State still use them. Rosa wrote, it is reasonable to conclude the use of indigenous names, symbols, and stereotypes at any school could violate the state's Dignity for All Students Act. That law protects students from race-based stereotyping and harassment. But Rosa stopped short of banning such mascots at schools across New York. In a brief statement, the Cambridge School Board said it was disappointed with the commissioner's decision. Board President Jessica Zim didn't respond to a request for an interview. In a text to NCPR, however, 
Board member Neil Gifford disagreed. He was the board president when the initial vote to retire the mascot was made. It's imperative that we as leaders in public education advance understanding and empathy, he wrote. Eliminating race-based mascots appears consistent with that aspiration. In the North Country, Saranac Lake, Messina, and Peru are all schools that have dropped their native mascots in recent years. Lake George is currently considering what to do with its current Indian warrior mascot and logo. David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio. More than 100 people rallied in Port Henry over the weekend to urge the state to keep the Mariah Shock Correctional Facility open. Governor Hochul announced in November that it would close in mid-March because the state's prison population has decreased so much in the past few years. Mariah Town Supervisor Thomas Gazafava told the Plattsburgh Press Republican that the facility's boot camp-style regiment that emphasizes education and community service has helped a lot of men. Republican State Representatives Senator Dan Steck and Assemblyman Matt Simpson joined the rally, as did three unions, the CSEA, PEF, and the New York State Corrections Officers and Police Benevolent Association. The North Country's COVID-19 rate continues to rise. County officials are warning another of another holiday surge that could be even worse than last winter. St. Lawrence County is urging people to get tested before and after gatherings to prevent holiday parties from becoming super spreader events. Jefferson County reported a one-day positive test rate of 35% with 165 new cases in one day. Also, the county reported two more deaths, bringing the pandemic total to 130. 30. Franklin, Washington, and Clinton counties are all launching campaigns to get 5- to 11-year-old children vaccinated. Clinic information for all counties in the North Country is available on the county websites. The region's positive test rate is now pushing 10%, one of the highest in the state. By comparison, that's double Long Island's rate and almost five times the positive test rate in New York City. The state has created a new job in the Adirondacks to coordinate the park's response to increased visitation in recent years. The Department of Environmental Conservation announced the new Adirondack coordinator position this week. The job will be held by Josh Clegg, who has been with the DEC for 14 years. He'll act as a kind of middleman between state and local governments, green groups, businesses, and other organizations in the Adirondacks. The DEC says his work will focus on recommendations laid out in a report released earlier this year by the High Peaks Advisory Group. The DEC also created a coordinator position in the Catskills. And television news network CNN says it's suspending anchor Chris Cuomo indefinitely pending a further review of documents revealing how he helped his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, when he was facing charges of sexual harassment. The network said transcripts released by the state attorney general this week revealed its anchor had a greater involvement in his brother's case than they knew. According to the transcripts, Chris Cuomo offered to reach out to sources, including other reporters, to find out whether more women were going to come forward. He relayed what he was hearing to his brother's advisors. At the same time, Chris Cuomo told investigators that he spoke regularly with his brother, coaching him on his response. Cuomo is anchor of Cuomo Primetime on the network, frequently CNN's most watched show.
You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It is eight minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. Just ahead, Chef Curtis Hem shares favorites from his cookbook shelf as literary holiday gifts for uh, gift ideas for your favorite cook. That conversation coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Light. Scratching Kohler on the fiddle, Daniel Kelly on piano with a jig. is supported by Fort de la Presentacion, home of the Abbey PK Walking Trail, open seven days a week from sunrise to sunset, fort1749.org. And by the Osable River Association, protecting wild brook trout and the cold water streams on which they depend. Learn more at osableriver.org. Driving around the North Country, you won't see many homeless people, but that doesn't mean they're not there or need help. Today, Amy Feierisel takes us inside one of the few homeless shelters in our region. It's in Saranac Lake. It's called Samaritan House. Since opening in 2017, it's helped hundreds of people break the cycle of homelessness. Bobby Glad is 43 years old. He's dressed in head-to-toe camo, including his baseball cap. He's quick to joke, even about moving into Samaritan House. I'm glad it's here, or else I'd be living in a tent right now. <laughs> My tent's still set up in the woods, so I haven't taken it down yet. Glad is from Saranac Lake. He's been at the house for three weeks and working in a hotel kitchen in Lake Placid for two. Now I got a new job, and hopefully we'll be moving out as soon as we get on our feet. <laughs> I won't be here too long. Like many, Glad didn't expect to be here. Well, I was uh, working construction over the summer, and the last month I worked, I got stiffed by the guy, so I ended up here. We're sitting in the dining room of Samaritan House, an eight-bedroom homeless shelter right in the middle of Saranac Lake on River Street. In the four years it's been open, over 300 people have passed through its doors, including Glad. It's a big help for people in the community. Uh, You got no place to go, you got no place to go. Samaritan House is a place to go. It's the brainchild of the Saranac Lake Ecumenical Council, which is a coalition of most of the town's churches. And we were hearing from the ministers and pastors and priests in town that they were getting a lot of people knocking on the door asking for help because they didn't have a place to sleep for the night. That's Rich Lober, the council's president. He says the stereotypical image of homelessness is in cities, living on the streets. But rural homelessness, says Lober, looks really different. It's mostly invisible. You know, in the summertime, they they camp in the woods and yeah. live outside. But in the wintertime, boy, it's really tough. The homeless end up couch surfing and moving from house mm-hmm. to house. Uh, a week here, a week there, a few days here, a few days there. And here this is why they stay they homeless, he says. You know, you, you can't go out and look for work when you don't know where you're going to live because you're too concerned with day-to-day living. Here at Samaritan House, residents' only expense is food. That way they can work and save and eventually move out. A typical stay is three to four months. Residents come here from social services, from police pickups, from mental health units and hospitals. 
36-year-old Jeremy Lamont came from six months in prison for driving without a license while he was on parole. Um, I found a job, a full-time job doing construction. Lamont says this is a chance for him to change his life. That's just a new start. So um, don't have to go to old stomping grounds. Thank God. Samaritan House has an 85% graduation rate. That means 85% of the people who come here go on to get their own place and live independently. A huge part of that success is 52-year-old Ernie Huff. He's the house manager, which means he's the one here every day. He's the guide. We identify what it was that has made them homeless in the past, and then we come up with an independent living plan. Huff helps them sign up for SNAP benefits. He gets them mental health counseling, addiction services, helps them apply for their birth certificate or social security card if they no longer have theirs. Those are necessary to apply for housing assistance. Whatever it is that they need, we get them dialed in to those resources here in the area. It means that they don't have to do it all on their own. Huff also helps them find work, often in the area's hotels and restaurants. He says their partners are willing to work around the bus schedules, which is game-changing, since most homeless folks don't have vehicles. Just meeting them where they're at and just trying to instill in them a sense of pride, dignity, and you know, increasing their, their self-worth. This sort of support and nitty-gritty help is what is missing for so many homeless people. There aren't very many homeless shelters or transitional housing options in the North Country, and there are none in Essex and St. Lawrence counties. Across the North Country, affordable housing is a huge problem. So even with jobs and some savings, it can be hard for these people to find a place to live. It takes persistence and a lot of Ernie Huff's contacts and connections. And the places are not always great. It's, it's, it's difficult, but, uh, you know, they persevere. The folks do. They persevere and they find housing. Um, may not be the best housing, but it gets them on their feet. When they leave, residents still have many obstacles ahead of them. About 3% come back to Samaritan House. Chris Putnam is one of them. He's 56, has a big handlebar mustache, and first came to Samaritan House four years ago. I uh, bad alcohol since I was 10 years old. He says Samaritan House saved his life. I landed here, and literally right there is 5 a.m. meetings. I got a counselor I can visit anytime. St. Joe's is right here. This is a gold mine for somebody who's addicted to anything. Something you'll notice at Samaritan House is how homey it is. It's a real house. There's a nice living area with couches. And each resident gets their own room with a keypad lock on it. That's a real selling point, says Huff, the house manager. Some of them will be leery on coming here just because they're so used to having that whole dorm style. So they've been assaulted. They've had stuff stolen. But then they find out that they have a passcode for an electronic lock on their door. And they're like, oh. Samaritan House is a place to feel safe. A reprieve from living moment to moment a place to get help and start on the road towards independence. That's the idea, says Rich Lober. Here they can come and they can get their breath, get their feet underneath them and get restarted again. At Samaritan House in Saranac Lake, I'm Amy Feierisel for North Country Public Radio. Samaritan House runs on a budget of $50,000 a year, supported by Saranac Lake churches, foundations, and individual donations. Lober and Huff say they'd love to help other communities open similar houses, You can find the full story at ncpr.org.
listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. It's coming up on 817. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandreski. In just a minute, book suggestions for the foodies on your holiday list. After that, it is news headlines with NPR coming up at 830. And Bird Note is just ahead at 842. Right now, it's 34 degrees in Cape Vincent, 30 degrees in Old Forge, 31 degrees in South Colton and in Malone. We can expect pretty cloudy skies today with highs in the 30s expected. Precipitation likely overnight. Rain along the St. Lawrence. Uh, St. Lawrence River, a mix of uh, sun, um, excuse me, a mix of snow and rain elsewhere throughout the region. Tomorrow, a little bit warmer, uh, with highs around forty degrees expected, and uh, and rain likely throughout much of the region. Well, chances are great that you have a foodie on your holiday gift list. So we asked our resident food expert, Chef Curtis Hem, for some suggestions. He told Todd Moe that he owns many hundreds of cookbooks and reads them. Chef Curtis owns the Carriage House Cooking School in Peru, New York, and was recently named the new executive chef at the View Restaurant at the Mirror Lake Inn Resort and Spa in Lake Placid. Chef Curtis Hem joins us each month to share a favorite seasonal recipe, but this month he shares a few favorite cookbook recommendations from pastas to pizzas to classics. One is by Katie Parla and... um, Christina Gill, and it's called Tasting Rome. Now, this isn't a new book, but it's a book that I think is important. And I, I've been studying kind of old Roman food for a number of years now. And this book really presents, one, a, a really nice tactile feel. So the book is well done. It's well bound. Um, it's from a really good publisher. It's from Potter Books. Um, so the book feels amazing. I think digital books are great. I have a lot of them. But at the same point, I really... There's something about holding a book in your hand that changes the experience for you. So this is a book that just is, it's a medium-sized book. It's wonderful. It's well photographed. But I also love the book. And in terms of its recipes and the way that Katie Parla, who was a kind of an expat food journalist, lives in Rome. Uh, she's got a great Instagram profile. I've taken a couple of her classes on pizza making with uni ovens and things like that. Mm-hmm. She really gets to the heart of what Roman food is. And it's unpretentiousness and it's seasonality and it's working class food. It's not a, an, a, an aloof book, but it really gives you an idea of how Romans eat. And I just love that. I mean, there's recipes in here from, you know, fettuccine with uh, chicken and pasta to tripe, which everybody somehow in America, oh, yeah, that's my great comfort food. I grew up eating tripe, yeah. I doubt. But, um, you know, there's fresh anchovies. There's veal cal- scallopini stuffed with lettuce. There's uh, spaghetti with dandelion greens. Uh, and we have we have access to dandelion greens. And dandelion greens are wonderful in the springtime. So that's a springtime dish. And they have this wonderful bitterness to them. And when you saute them in very little oil, like I would do an escarole, they take on this really nutty flavor. So I, I love the concept of what she's doing here and how she's sharing it and the simplicity of technique. It's not French food. It's very guttural and working class. So this is so, a book that you would you would recommend for someone like yourself, uh, an advanced, experienced chef, and maybe somebody who might be wanting to try one of these Roman recipes. Yeah, I would mean, I, I don't think the skill level is complicated. I don't think it's high end. Mm-hmm. I think that's beauty of Roman cuisine. I think some of the ingredients may be challenging because what she presents here is a truly 
Roman cookbook. And there are some foods that we just have to figure out how to substitute. But that's a that's a great challenge. And it's a great creative thinking that we need to do. And she also came out with another book on pizza, The Joy of Pizza with Dan Ricker. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, fun, pizza-loving book. So those are the two books. Yeah, well, that's uh, the two by Katie Parlow. The other okay. one is uh, The Boar Magazine came out a couple years ago. Again, it's not a it's not a super, super recent book. And it's the new classics cookbook. And it's a thousand recipes with expert advice, tips, and tales. And I like it because it's a kind of a bibliography of Civil War Magazine, which is no longer in print. Right. And so in one book, you get you get kind of all of their recipes and some wonderful photographs. And Savour Magazine was a, was a magazine that really got to the essence and heart of food and cooking and its culture. So how food impacted a community. They had just wonderful essays. And it's a shame that, you know, we lost several good magazines in that sense. So this book is kind of a way to recapture that. Um, and then if I had to have a a third, or I guess now it's a fourth book, is Missy Robinson out of New York City just came out with a pasta book. And I think that's just incredible. It's a wonderful book. And Missy Robinson is famous for her 25 yolk pasta. So one pound of flour, 25 egg yolks, a little bit of olive oil, boom, wow. make pasta. And it's so rich and luxurious. And she has several restaurants down in New York City. And she's a wonderful, wonderful chef. And again, uh, all of these book suggestions uh curtis sound sound like you know something that you could you know consider for somebody who is starting out or somebody who's experienced yeah i mean at some point we all jump off a bridge somewhere right and if <laughs> you grew up eating you know beef wellington then you know how to make puff pastry you know how to cook a tenderloin yeah. if you grew up eating hamburgers and hot dogs then you just take the application of heat and you really start to think about how you do things and it it will work for you so yeah, I think all these books for anybody. I don't think the books are overly complicated in any way, shape, or form. The Savour one is absolutely classic for someone just starting out. Mm. Nice. Those are, those are really great suggestions. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I never get tired of getting a book about food as a gift. <laughs> They're always, you know. Yeah, I'm a hoarder of cookbooks. I have way, <laughs> way, way too many. I have multiple thousands of cookbooks. Yeah, Chef Curtis Hem, owner of multiple thousands of cookbooks. He also owns the Carriage House Cooking School in Peru, New York, and was recently named the new executive chef at the View Restaurant at the Mirror Lake Inn Resort and Spa in Lake Placid. And you'll find a link to his website with more cookbook suggestions. And tomorrow morning, he'll uh, offer some suggestions for the latest kitchen gadget trends. Uh, For more, check our website, ncpr.org. Coming up on 24 minutes past 8. Stand. I got a little bend in me. I got a little bend. 
chocolate bar can Well, I'm a little Tootsie Roll, I am And I was made by the Tootsie Roll man On my way from Tootsie Roll And I got a little twist in me well, I got a little twist in me, uh-huh I got a little twist in me, uh-huh But I can't taste just as good, uh-huh As a regular Tootsie Roll Claudia Schmidt, I'm a little cookie. It's 826. Northern Light is supported by Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, committed to providing professional and compassionate care with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. And St. Lawrence Nurseries in Potsdam, providing the North Country with cold, hearty fruit and nut trees for nearly 100 years. stlawrencenurseries.com. I'm Todd Moe. And I'm Monica Sandresky. There are lots of wonderful events going on throughout the community. Looking forward to one coming up this Friday evening from 7 to 8.30 at the Adirondack Center for Writing, now known as the ACW. It's an open mic night, and the theme is called Embarrassing. Show us an artist who hasn't failed, they say. Actually, don't. That would be boring. So Embarrassing is a fun chance for all to share their oldest, most earnest attempts at creativity because we could all use the laugh right now, even if it's at ourselves. You can find out more at the Adirondack Center for Writing.org. That's coming up this Friday evening from 7 to 8.30 at the ACW. A couple of events happening on Zoom uh, over the next month. The Adirondack Center for Loon Conservation is providing monthly online Loon Zoom presentations about loon behavior and vocalization, Pathology research. There'll be five presentations at 7 p.m. on the second Tuesday of the month, starting uh, this month. And uh, it is another light lesson in loon music by Dr. Jay uh, Major of Ohio Northern University. He's going to talk about uh, loon music, acoustic structure and function of vocal signals in common loons. That's coming up on December 9th, 7 p.m. on Zoom. And if you want more information, you can check out adkloon.org and just want to mention as well on Zoom Piano by Nature on December 11th is offering a live piano performance by Daniel Linder 
born here in the North Country in Westport. Now a uh, uh, a piano uh, a professor in uh, Arizona. He'll be performing music uh, on 7 p.m. Uh, on December 11th, presented by Piano by Nature. And you can check more information on that concert, uh, pianobynature.org. And also coming up uh, next Friday evening, December 10th, something I'm looking forward to, is the Family Skating Party as part of the Lake Placid Holiday Village Stroll. It's next Friday evening from 5 to 6.30 at the Olympic Center's newly refurbished 1932 rink in the Jack Shea Arena. There will be skate rentals uh, available and Santa Claus is expected to make an appearance, but we'll see. I'm sure he's not making any promises this time of year. Santa on skates. <laughs> uh, that's, that's Northern Light for this Wednesday, the first morning of December. Thanks for listening. Morning Edition continues in just a few minutes. After that, get caught up on all the morning's business news on the Marketplace Morning Report between 8.51 and 9 o'clock. Reach out to us if there's something we should know, something we should be reporting on. Maybe you grab some great sound with your phone, your voicemail, your voice recorder app. Share it with us. Monica at ncpr.org. Oh, wait a minute. You're going to try to stump me with those sounds, right? Exactly. Don't email news. Email (laughs) Monica at ncpr.org, and we'll see if we can stump Todd. Have a good one. Thanks. Be well.